In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue today our Bible study from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 19. Last week we stopped at verse 30, so today we will start from verse 31 to the end of the chapter. So let's read verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Uh, verse 30 ended by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, give up the spirit into the hand of the Father. And now, uh, after his death, the Jews wanted Pilate to break the legs of those who had been crucified to hasten their death. In crucifixion, usually the person dies uh, because of one reason from two reasons. Either asphyxia, they cannot uh, take their breath. So when they break the legs, he cannot actually stretch his body uh, while uh, his legs, his, his feet actually pressing on the nail. Uh, so all his body will be down and he will feel suffocated and he will die. That's one reason. The other reason, uh, he might die from uh, heart cardiac uh, arrest uh, because th there will happen like pericardial effusion. So the pericardium is the membrane surround the heart. So it will be filled with fluid called the pericardial effusion, uh, and this actually can make the person uh, die. So this Sabbath was the great Sabbath, a high day after the Feast of Passover. And according to the law, they cannot touch any dead body. So they want them to die before the sunset of Friday, in order to take their bodies from the cross uh, and then can be cleansed before the Sabbath because it was uh, a high day, the Sabbath after Passover and according to the law, they cannot touch any dead body. This is considered unclean. So the Jews actually went to Pilate asking to break the legs. So if they're still alive, once they break their legs, they cannot actually stretch themselves up to take the press, so they will die from asphyxia. They will be suffocated and die. Uh, and again, because this day was the day of preparation for the high day or the holy day, uh, and the day of preparation means the day before the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath. 
this day is preparing for the Sabbath, the high day or the holy day. And as I explained, bodies could not remain on the cross that day because the law commanded not to leave a dead body hanging. So they cannot leave the bodies hanging until Sunday. And they cannot touch the bodies on uh, Saturday. Uh, this you can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 22 and 23 uh, so if they left them to die on Saturday and they took the body and touched the body it, it is considered uncleanness uh, and actually maybe we can ask why they did not ask uh, to actually uh, decapitate them uh, to have their legs broken it intended to be another punishment so they die with a, a severe punishment uh, so that's why they did not ask the heads of the crucified might be cut off and this actually makes them die quickly. But even uh, in trying to keep the law, they had merciless heart. And they want them to suffer more. Uh, so even in asking uh, to keep the law, not to be uh, defiled, uh, they were very cruel. They cared to keep, to keep the Sabbath, but they had no regard for justice or righteousness. It's repeated hypocrisy. The Jews did not mind murdering an innocent man, but they dared not to touch the murdered man's body and become so unclean that they could not observe a holy day. What a hypocrisy here. Verse 32. Uh, so Pilate actually, in verse 1, the Jews asked Pilate, and Pilate actually uh, agreed, as we read in verse 32, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other, the two thieves, who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So the Pilate granted the Jews what they wanted. The soldiers came and broke the legs of the thieves who had been crucified with Jesus Christ. But when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs because he had already died. Uh, as we read in verse 30, he gave up his soul in the hand of the Father. Uh, he actually, the Lord Jesus Christ, permitted himself to die before them so that everybody might comprehend that he died of his own will, by his own will and by his authority alone. He gave up his spirit into the hands of the Father at the time he chose. So he accepted death unto him. He surrendered to death of his own will not as an obligation, but through his victory in love to save us. 
And here is actually a clear testimony from the soldiers that Jesus was dead. And this testimony, along with other evidence, proves that he had not just fainted as some claim and later revived in the tomb. These soldiers were expert at their jobs. So to testify that Jesus had died, then it was not fainting because they would know the difference between fainting and death. And the fact that they did not break Jesus' legs is their testimony that Jesus was really dead. Verse 34 But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Uh, the incident of piercing the side of the Lord Jesus Christ is recorded, recorded in the Gospel of St. John only. Uh, so although they were very expert and they differentiate between fainting and death, but they pierced his side to make quite sure that he was dead. As I explained to you, the person, the crucified person, can die either from suffocation, that's why they break their legs in order to be able not to be able to take his breath, or he might die from the, the, the heart stop to, to, to work because of the pericardial effusion that actually pressure the heart. So they pierced his sight. So by piercing his side, they are piercing toward the heart. And the fact blood and water came out, the water came from the fluid in the pericardium. Pericardium is the membrane around the heart. So this fluid is the water. And the blood came from the heart itself. So they pierced his side because there is water and blood came this means he died from pericardial um, effusion here. And the word piercing in verse 35 is not the same word that mentioned in verse 37. They shall look on him whom they pierced. So there are two different words here. The one that's used in verse 35 uh, is uh, 30, 34, I'm sorry, is different than the uh, one used in 37. Uh, 37 means to break or stab, but in, in 34 means to pierce deeply, to pierce deeply. Church fathers actually, like St. Augustine, Ambrose, John Chrysostom, considered the blood and water that came from the side of Christ, the first indication of sacraments, in particular, baptism and Eucharist. Water is a symbol of baptism, and blood is a symbol of Eucharist, which are both these two sacraments uh, were appointed by Christ, as we read in John chapter 3 about baptism, John chapter 6 about Eucharist, and 
these two sacraments appointed by Christ and came out of his sight and referred to his suffering and death. So thus, in baptism we are baptized into this water that came from the side of Christ and in communion in Eucharist we drink directly from the wound in the side of our Lord Jesus Christ. Other fathers like St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. Jerome and a scholar Tertullian believe that the water and blood symbols of baptism and martyrdom. The blood is symbol of martyrdom. Others think that the water stands for the Old Testament and blood is for the New Testament because in the New Testament the promise of salvation was fulfilled and the people of both covenant, Old Covenant and New Covenant enjoyed salvation. St. Augustine wrote about the significant significance of this moment in the salvation history and he said here was opened wide the door of life from which the sacraments of the church have flowed out without which there is no entering in unto life which is true life here the second adam was bowed with bowed head slept upon the cross, that since a wife might be formed of him, flowing from his side while he slept, O death, by which the dead come back to life, is there anything purer than this blood, any wound more healing? So St. Augustine said, the sight of Christ was the door of life. And the sacraments came from the side of Christ. Without these sacraments, there is no entrance into eternal life. And as God opened the side of Adam to make, to create Eve from his side, the second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, bowing his head, sleeping, as, as, as God put the first Adam to sleep, so sleeping on the cross, he opened his wife, his, his side, and the church, the bride of Christ, came from his side through these two sacraments, communion and baptism, flowing from his side. So, through the death of Christ, we, the dead, came back to life. There is no wound that can be more healing than the wound in the side of Christ. That's actually what St. Augustine said beautifully. There is a debate concerning which side, the left side or the right side of the Lord Jesus Christ was piercing, but traditionally we say the right side. The Holy Spirit did not inform us through the Gospels which side, but just says that the side of our Lord Jesus Christ was pierced with a spear in fulfillment of the prof uh, prophecy. Which prophecy? In verse 35 and uh, 36 and 37, and he, John, John the evangelist, who has seen, has testified, 
and his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled so there are two prophecies here the first one not one of his bones shall be broken so this prophecy if they broke his leg then this prophecy would not be fulfilled and the other prophecy in verse 37 and again another scripture says they shall look on him whom they pierced uh, john here emphasizing that he was there and he was an eyewitness but john is accustomed to speak of himself in the third person uh, but he was very close to the cross to be able to distinguish between the blood and water as they came from the side of our Lord Jesus Christ. And John makes it clear here that he was an eyewitness. Over the centuries, there are many skeptics uh, and they object to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But all these skeptical people, they were not there. But John, who was there, recorded this evidence, which he personally witnessed. So we may know that Jesus really died on the cross. And St. John said, and his testimony is true about the uh, testimony of St. John. His testimony is true. Such was the known character of this writer that John doesn't lie. Such his sacred uh, regard for the truth that he could appeal to that with full assurance that all would put confidence in him. Anybody knows John, they know he's not a liar. So what he says is the truth. But why St. John make such appeal uh, unless there was something miraculous in this matter for John it was very very important to emphasize the death of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, through, uh, through piercing and through the testimony of the soldiers because other evangelists had not written anything about piercing his sight and also, there are two important prophecies were fulfilled. The one about no bone was broken, and the other one, they look at him whom they pierced. So, these two prophecies are about the Messiah. So, St. John wants to tell us that Jesus here is the Messiah. Scripture is fulfilled in accordance to the promise given to all the righteous. Uh, and now when we see these prophecies fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know for sure that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. In uh, the one about the bones, we read it in Psalm 34, verse 20. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. Also in Psalm 35, 10, all my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you? Uh, and also the Jews were forbidden to break any bone 
from the Passover lamb as we read in Exodus 12:46 and in Numbers 9 verse 12 and our Lord Jesus Christ is also our Passover lamb who was sacrificed for us as St Paul described him in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 he is the lamb of God also John the Baptist said to him behold the lamb of God John chapter 1 verse 29 therefore his bone should not be broken that's why St John made it very clear that the soldiers did not break his bones and about piercing the the prophecy confined it in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 then they will look on me whom they pierced yes they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son so st john makes this clear so we understand not just that jesus really did die but that many details of his death were expressly written and then fulfilled in the old testament um, prophecies verse 38 after this joseph of arimathea being a disciple of jesus but secretly for fear of the jews asked pilate that he might take away the body of jesus and pilate gave him permission so he came and took the body of jesus and Nicodemus who at first came to Jesus by night also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds only St. John provides insight into Joseph of Arimathea's fear in proclaiming Jesus himself as a follower of Jesus. So St. John explained how Joseph was afraid to announce himself and to proclaim his, uh, himself as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the fear uh, from the Jews. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 51 uh, we read more information about Joseph that he did not consent to the sentence of the Sanhedrin against the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, in, in the Gospel of St. Luke, uh, verse 50, we know that Joseph was a good and righteous man who looked for the kingdom of God. So after the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph and Nicodemus, Nicodemus was mentioned in John chapter 3, and both of them were members of the Sanhedrin bravely came forward to ask Pontius Pilate for the body of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in Luke chapter 2 we read about Simon the priest and Anna the prophetess they were waiting for the kingdom of God and the same description we read it about Joseph here He was waiting for the kingdom of God and he was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ but secretly. The Lord Jesus Christ said when I am 
lifted up, I will draw many to me. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, by being lifted up on the cross, now is already drawing men unto him, drawing this Jewish noble, uh, like Joseph and Nicodemus, to come and confess him before Pontius Pilate in the hour of his deepest degradation. So, in the hour of in which Jesus Christ appeared as dead, weak, degraded, they confessed to him as their Lord and Savior. St. Mark actually records that Pilate was astonished when he heard that Jesus had died so soon, as we read in Mark chapter 15, verse 44. He even questioned the centurion in charge of the execution. Nicodemus, the other person, was a very wealthy man and he provided an extremely expensive mixture of a hundred pounds of herbs and spices which actually considered a very very big amount. But no surprise here, nothing incredible in the amount. Nicodemus was a rich man and he wanted to prove his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, maybe possibly remorse for a timidity in the past, which now seemed irreversible. Uh, his courage now had come uh, uh, to life, but a little bit too late. Uh, Isaiah, in chapter 53, verse 9, uh, 700 years before Christ, he prophesied about the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ when he said, and he made his grave with the rich in his death. So about the, the, the grave, the sepulcher, there is a prophecy in Isaiah. Verse 40, then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in stripes of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So the wrapping up of the body in a fine linen cloth was a token of his purity and innocence. Linen, uh, white cloth. Uh, and they put spices. Uh, they, they did not have time to put the perfumes because the perfumes actually needs time to rub it over the body. And that's why this explained to us and, and God, nothing happened by, by chance or randomly. Actually, if, if they put the perfume, then there was no need for the Marys to go early on Sunday to put the perfume. So God in his economy did not allow them to put the perfume. So the Marys on uh, Sunday, very early after the Sabbath is over, they decided to go to put the perfume to continue spicing the, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we read in verse uh, 38, they put um, spices. Uh, 
only. That's why uh, in the burial on Good Friday, uh, we should not put any perfume. We put only spices, but we do not put any perfume. Uh, because uh, if they put perfume, there had no reason for the Marys to go early Sunday to put the perfume on the body of Christ. But there's a question here. What is the significance of having Joseph and Nicodemus burying the Lord Jesus Christ and not his disciples? And as I told you, nothing happened haphazardly. Everything according to the economy of God. These two persons were very known as good character. Uh, one of them is good and just, as we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 50. And the other has no hypocrisy. If the apostles had buried the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jews would have said, uh, those certainly never buried him. That's why you have empty tomb. But now we have a just man wrapped Christ's body in costly linen. And an honest man uh, anoint him with the spices. And these were very respectable people. So nobody can cast doubt on the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happened did not lack purpose. It happened in order actually to prove that Jesus was buried indeed. That's why in, in the creed there is emphasis that he was buried in the tomb. Uh, verse 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid so there they laid jesus because of the jews preparation day for the tomb was nearby only saint john uh, notes that the tomb where jesus body was placed this tomb was in a garden and uh, by the way, the prosperine that we use it to cover the barrier of our Lord Jesus Christ on Good Friday, uh, usually we choose its color to be green to indicate this garden, that he was buried in a garden. And the garden is identified here to be very close to the site of execution, site of crucifixion which actually agrees with the location of the site of Calvary and the tomb. If you visited the Church of Resurrection, you will find the Calvary and very, very close to, to it, the tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ, both within the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The Church Fathers actually uh, reflected on this garden and they, they see a connection between the burial of the Son of God in a garden after victoriously redeemed mankind that first sin in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. So God redeemed us in the garden uh, and he was buried in the garden. So through his death, he gave life to Adam and Eve and all their descendants.
Now Christ was laid in such a tomb where no man had been laid that it might appear certainly that it was he and not another that was risen from the dead. If other people were buried, maybe somebody would argue and say, maybe another man rose from the dead, not Jesus. But now nobody, no man had been laid in the tomb. So it's now clearly and it's certain that the one who rose is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of St. Matthew, Luke and John, uh, all of them observe that this was a new tomb, uh, never used before uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ burial. St. Augustine observed, just as in the womb of Virgin Mary, none was conceived before him, none after him. So in this tomb, none before him, none after was buried. So St. Augustine actually making this comparison between the womb of St. Mary and the, the tomb. He said in the womb of St. Mary, nobody before him was conceived, nobody after him. We believe in the perpetual virginity of St. Mary. And in the tomb, nobody was buried before him, nobody buried after him. Uh, there they immediately buried the Lord Jesus Christ because the time strictly called the preparation. And as I told you, they have to finish all of this before the sunset of Friday. Because from sunset of Friday, that's the beginning of the Sabbath, the great Sabbath or the holy Sabbath or the high Sabbath. For the whole day uh, was so-called uh, the high day uh, was at hand, the Sabbath. This actually concludes our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. John. We finished chapter 19. Next week at Willick, we will study chapter 20. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.